Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Friends to Infertility and Me podcast, a safe space created with the silent sufferer in mind. I Am Podcast is dedicated to infertility advocacy and sharing diverse stories to help you feel validated, seen, and heard. I am your host, Monique Farouk, and I am one in eight two. Healing is best when done together. Could you please do me the honor of leaving a five-star rating and review in Apple iTunes? This will increase our show's ranking and reach more friends who may be silently suffering with infertility too. We're stronger together, staying connected, getting plugged in. as well as hydrosalpings and she had one of her fallopian tubes removed and she's done a couple of IUI cycles and she is now will be in the midst of her first IVF cycle so we're going to get into that and then we'll also be getting into being a religious and spiritual woman and navigating infertility while still holding fast to her faith and her belief in God and Christ and then we also speak about race racism in the fertility communities online and offline and just how we navigate those things as people of color in trying to find community and how tough and difficult that can be as well. And um, I thank you guys for being here with me. You can reach me at infertilityandmeatoutlook.com if you have any comments, questions, feedbacks, or would like to be a guest publicly and or anonymously. And you can also get in touch with me on Instagram at infertilityandmepodcast. Thank you, guys. We'll be right back with our girl, Crystal. So thank you again, Crystal Girl, for coming on the pod and talking to us today a little bit about your journey and how that's been for you. And I especially wanted to get into navigating infertility, your diagnosis, and um, dealing with PCOS, and then trying to navigate all of this as well while you're a Christian woman and you're a woman of faith. Um, I, am. I think that's important to speak about because so many people are uh, connected to a higher power and, you know, you just question all of it when something like this happens and you've been dealing with it for a while. So I appreciate you for, uh, I know the honesty and the authenticity that will come through this episode. Of course. And I, like I said, I'm very excited to be on and thank you for taking the time to interview me. I can't, you know, I'm honored to be on. I appreciate you love. Thank you so much for your kind words. So look, how did you and your husband meet, girl? 
Oh my gosh. So my husband and I met oof, eight years ago. Um, we actually met on an online dating website <laughs> called OkCupid. Yeah, uh, I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Prior to that, I had been single for quite some time. And um, my best friend actually was like, you know, all of us are in relationships. You've been the only one traveling with us by yourself for the last however many years. Why don't you get back into the dating scene? So I said, okay, well, you know, work is just super consuming and I, I don't know where to find, you know, good men out there. And he's like, mm. try this. So he he created this whole online profile on OkCupid. It was free. And I had met, you know, a couple of guys here and there, chatted here and there, but they were all dogs, you know, mm. <laughs> at the end of the day, they, they wanted one thing and that was that. So mm -hmm. I was actually thinking about canceling out my account as a whole. Um, and one day I was having sushi with a girlfriend and a message came through and it was from my, um, it was from Jesus, <laughs> my husband. Mm -hmm. Um, and he just messaged me and he was like, Hey, you know, um, I really want to kind of get to know you better. My name's Jesus. I see that we're kind of local from one another. And I just gave him, you know, a, a text full. I just said, you know, if you're looking for another notch on your bedpost, I'm not your girl. <laughs> I'm actually looking to cancel out this account. I I don't want it. It, it just hasn't worked for me. So mm -hmm. goodbye. Thank you for your time. And thank you for your contribution to the cause. But no thanks. Um, and then... A little while later, I thought I had scared him off. It was probably an hour or two later. We had finished up lunch, and um, I see another message from him come through. And, Mo, I'm telling you, if I put this message on a Word doc, it had to have been like eight pages long. Mm. <laughs> and it was just his entire bio, where he comes from, his upbringing, what he's looking for in a future partner mm -hmm. and just like heartfelt honesty right and all summed up in a text so I was like wow okay he really took his time you know to fill to write all this about himself and so we met at a local coffee shop a couple weeks later we closed the entire place down we got there around 5 p.m we didn't leave until one the owners came out and were like hey I'm sorry to do this but we, we're closed and we just spent the entire time talking and then that led into dating, dating led into being engaged. And then we got married a few years after and eight years later, here we are. Beautiful. You guys are like <laughs> a sexy couple living out there on the West Coast life. Yes, yeah, LA. So good together. I love it. I like Thank you guys' you. YouTube channel too. I love seeing you guys talk together like as a couple you can oh, see the energy and the chemistry is really great between you guys. So I'm yeah. so glad you found the love of your life, the soulmate, your best friend, because we all need a little love, you know, and absolutely so crazy. So when did you get diagnosed with PCOS? So I'm a planner by nature and it was the year that we got engaged. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, my periods had always been very irregular. I mean, mm -hmm. ever since I was 16 years old, um, there had been a time early on in high school where I didn't get a period for about a year and a half. Wow. And so, yeah, my mom said, that's not normal. Let me take you to, you know, your OB. And so we did. And, you know, he was just like, oh, you know, I, I have the fix right here. It's just birth control. So I had been on birth control from 16 all the way up until my late 20s. And that was supposed to be the fix, right? Um, so I told my husband, I was like, you know, this is the only thing that's regulating me. And I don't know um, if that's going to affect us trying to have kids because we knew get um, going into being engaged to marriage, we wanted to have a family. So I just said, just to make sure that we check off all boxes and everything looks good, I think we should get checked. And he said, okay, you know, I'll follow your lead. And um, he went to go seek services on his end. And I went to go to my OB. And at that time, they were just like, well, we got to do a bunch of testing, right? So um, they found out after I did an HSG 
um, as well as a couple of blood tests that I was diagnosed with PCOS, uh, which is obviously polycystic ovarian syndrome. In addition to that, when I did my HSG ultrasound, which was extremely painful, um, they found that my right fallopian tube was blocked. So I had a hydrostyle sphinx, as well, um, which had to be basically removed uh, because it was severe blockage. And so I had, I had I had done the surgery, but it was a very less invasive approach, which was just to nip the hydrosalis being so not to take it out completely, just to nip it. Um, and then a and then a year after that, I started experiencing immense pain on my right side where my fallopian tube was. So I was like, oh, that's weird. That shouldn't be happening. So um you know, we we went back to this time it was an RE that um because we were we were planning on seeking services uh, for treatment, and so um, the RE had mentioned that you know um, the hydrosalis being the blocked fallopian tube filled back up with fluid again, but it it nearly almost tripled in size, so it was a pretty big mass mm. <laughs> down there. So he was like, you know, this can cause severe issues. Like if it erupts on its own, it can cause massive scarring, internal bleeding, like things you just don't want. So he suggested that we have it removed immediately, which in which we were trying to do, but then COVID happened. So we actually, um, from the time I got diagnosed, we had tried, I'm sorry, I, I, I jumped ahead of time, but um, we had tried naturally for about a year and a half on mm -hmm. our own and no luck. I mean, this mm -hmm. was with no protection. I stopped birth control entirely. And at that point I was in my late twenties, right. And I had been on birth mm -hmm. control for whew, well over years. 12 yeah. years. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was just kind of like, well, the odds are against us, right? Like the percentages and how it, in a woman who has just one working fallopian tube is already significantly lessened. Um, so I told my husband, I was just like, you know, I think that we should try and seek services like professional services to try to have a baby um so we went back like i said we went back to um, the a new re and um he had suggested that um in order to even kick start the the whole trying to conceive and that whole cycle and what that looks like um i had to have a second surgery to remove my entire right fallopian tube because mm -hmm. it was it had you know tripled in size so yeah. Um, COVID happened <laughs> and it's crazy because there was such a push to have that removed because it was so big, but, um, our hospitals and everything were just not taking optional, um, patients. Like, I guess they deemed me to be like an optional procedure. Um, but you know, my, my doctor fought nail and tooth to try to get that passed to where they would see me and have that procedure done. But I mean, it took six months from the time that we were supposed to do it to the time it was actually done. So back in 2020, in June, um, hospitals finally lifted. Um, and we were next in line to get the procedure done to have it removed. So we did that. I had my entire right fallopian tube, tube removed. And um, it was about, I would say about two to three months of healing process before we could move forward with anything else. And yeah, so after... I got it removed. We waited the three months and then we finally got the, the green light from my RE to move forward with treatment. And initially, you know, with the percentages being as low as they were, even with one fallopian tube, mm -hmm. I had asked him, I said, you know, I'm really looking into possibly going into IVF what are your thoughts? And he was like, well, let's, even though, you know, you only have one fallopian tube, I really want to go the least invasive approach first. And that's with IUIs. So mm -hmm. I was like, mm -hmm. okay. Um, so we did 
three IUIs, including a double IUI, which is just, you know, I, I do one IUI and then I come back the next morning to do another one just back to back. Um, and all three of those cycles were unsuccessful. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was heavy, you know, and I, I'm today, I'm going to be 36 this year. And um, I just feel like time is of the essence, you know, I, I'm reaching that mark. And it, it really weighs heavy on me. So uh, I think with all of the failed cycles that we had experienced last year, I had never felt so, like such a like such a failure as a woman, you know, like it it really Mm -hmm. weighed heavy on me mentally. Um, So we, we took a break. We took a little bit of a pause, enjoyed each other, uh, rekindled that, that spark (laughs) that we were lacking during treatments. And um, so our next route is starting up at the end of the month, this month, which is IVF. So we're finally dabbling into um, IVF, which we're very much looking forward to, but we're, we're still remaining very optimistically hopeful with it. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah. how, how would you describe or who would you say you are now in comparison to a few years ago when you guys first began trying to conceive and then with your diagnosis, having the surgeries, having a couple of unsuccessful IUIs and then moving into IVF? That yeah, that is such a great question. Um, you know, I, I feel as if though the crystal before infertility was just so fun loving, so free, very much just at a drop of the dime, let's do it, you know, let's go, why not? Kind of just free spirited. Um infertility robbed me of a lot of that, you know, like now even though I've, some people say like, oh, you know, you've only done IUI, there's so much more to come. And it doesn't change the fact that a loss is a loss, you know, and every Mm -hmm. failed cycle to me was just emotionally draining. Mm -hmm. I mean, you put your body through all of these hormones, these medications, you know, these trigger shots and hopes to bring home a miracle baby. And when that doesn't come, um, it's really hard to see the light at the end of it. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's very difficult. Well, first of all, the first mistake they made was thinking that because you haven't done IVF yet, that you haven't um that you haven't dealt with some of the most dark times emotionally and mentally, right? That's mistake right. number one. Mm-hmm. And then number two, the mistake is believing that the diagnosis itself and the medical condition that you're dealing with now, because you're not on birth control anymore. Right. Right. And so you have symptoms that you've probably never felt before mm-hmm. in the sense yeah. that the, the birth control regulates a lot of those things. And Absolutely. So I, yeah. You know, we just got to be a little bit more empathetic. <laughs> yeah. Another, yeah. You know, and Absolutely. that's why conversations have to continuously talk because people are just ignorant to what, what having a medical condition is really like unless they themselves have a medical condition, you know? Yeah. And and that's why I think a lot of the insensitivity comes because people pass off trying to conceive through IVF treatments or IUI treatments. And then infertility as a whole is like, well, everybody can have a baby. You got the organs, right? It's just like this, this very, very, um, very, very passive aggressive attitude about all of it. I don't know. That's how that's that's I think that's the right word that I'm looking for. Yeah. It's like this whole yeah. passive aggressive feeling that people who have never been diagnosed with infertility when they first hear of it or they first like you can't have a baby, like what do you mean you can't have a baby? Everybody can yeah. have a baby girl. What's wrong with you? Yeah. You know? Something yeah. like that. Like it's so yeah. <laughs> totally get it. Like it's just so dismissive. Very dismissive. Very, very dismissive. And it's, it's hard, you know, to try to explain my state of mind to exactly what you said, people who are unaware, Mm -hmm. um, not versed on the topic. It's, it's tough. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very tough. I remember the first time I heard someone that I knew close to me that uh, was not able to conceive naturally. I was like, what? 
Okay, but there has, but see, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm different when it comes to uh, medical issues. I was, I was curious as to why she couldn't conceive and not necessarily, I guess, that passive aggressive. But everybody's not like that, you know. Most people are not like that. So yeah. So I know for sure that there had to be moments where you were like, "God, what are you doing?" Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, So I am Christian. Mm -hmm. I actually I've been religious my entire life. I I grew up practicing Catholicism all the way up to the age of 21. Okay. A good friend of mine introduced me to Christianity, which is very similar. Um, And so ever since the age of 21 to now, I've been Christian. And, you know, I, I put a lot of my everyday life in, in the Lord's hands. Um, my faith in him still rests a hundred percent into, you know, what I know and my faith in his direction and his glory, all of that. Um, there have definitely been times where, you know, I I've prayed, I have prayed for the things that are yet to come. Um, and every single no, every single negative, you know, medical diagnoses, every single why me moment. Um, sometimes it takes, you know, my husband or a friend who's, you know, Christian to remind me like of God's promises, you know, and how that will unveil. And within this last year, Mo, I have really spent a lot of time in worship and in prayer and in meditation and just, it's the only thing that feels good for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I just continue to keep my faith strong and continue to, you know, pray in his word and understand him more mm-hmm. because I mean, the Bible is so big, right? There's so many different stories. So really um, dabbling into those focuses, like the story of Hannah mm-hmm. and how, you know, he lived out his promises to her, just stories of faith and how his glory prevails each and every time. And, reminding myself of those things because it's really easy to to forget mm-hmm. when you know his promises his promises haven't come to light mm-hmm. so or in the way you thought it was going to right absolutely absolutely and you know i i haven't reached moments yet where i'm extremely angry at god or you know i I stopped believing in God. I haven't reached that point, And I hope I never have to reach that point like some um, mm-hmm. other women that I know. But um, he is my anchor. And I do put a lot of my faith in him, regardless of whether I, I'm seeing the light or I'm not. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. that's the whole thing surrounding faith. It, it, it's crazy blind faith. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's definitely one of those things where um, you have to be fearless in like the face of adversity and know that God is willing to work in your favor still. And even though it feels impossible and even though it's hard to recognize the beauty that surrounds one, mm-hmm. he's there in every moment of darkness in every moment of happiness, like God is there. And I cannot lose sight of that because that's the only thing that's kept me going. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you received um, support from uh, those who you are acquaintances and or friends with from your place of worship before COVID? Um, no. <laughs> so before COVID, um, we, we weren't really open to sharing our okay. struggle. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. So, um, a lot of the support that we've received in our place of worship now, um, has been because we finally decided to be very truthful and honest with our, our struggles, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it took us a while to get here. Mm -hmm. Were you, um, were you, what do, were some of your, you and your husband's, um, were some of the reasons you weren't ready to share, share centered around 
your religious beliefs, spiritual beliefs, or cultural beliefs? Yes, absolutely. It was definitely more stemmed off of our cultural beliefs, which also led into our, our with our cultural beliefs. Um, we come from a family. My husband is Hispanic, and I am Philip. And both of our cultures have taught us at a very young age that we don't speak about things that are taboo. And you know, still in our cultures, um, especially in his, I mean, you don't really hear of a lot of Hispanics going through infertility, right? right? So a lot of his aunts, uncles, parents, they all have minimum two kids. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's just kind of the breeding grounds and the expectation of us being able to was just part of that norm. Mm. Um, And the same thing with our Asian culture of my family's Filipino huge family. My mom comes from, you know, a family of eight siblings Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. there's just a ton of cousins and a ton of brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and the list goes on. So none of our immediate family ever got, ever went through infertility. Um, Mm -hmm. There was never talks about it. I don't even remember being educated on the topic of it growing up Mm -hmm. or, you know, in school. Um, so it was hard because when the pressure was put on so strongly from both sides, like, do you guys not want kids? You guys have to have kids. Like that's, Mm -hmm. you know, part of our religion. Like we, we breed to, you know, have families and it, it was never a question on how or why, but more Mm -hmm. so when, Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I didn't know how to answer that back then, right? Like Mm -hmm. I was still trying to work out scheduling appointments to remove fallopian tubes and what medication wasn't going to make me extremely sick, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. So uh, there was a lot of resentment towards his side and my side for a while. I mean, we just, I clammed up, you know, for many years. And um, I think the only person that really kind of knew was like my mom, you know, and she, even her, I mean, it was a lot of like, Mm -hmm. just give it a God, you know, leave it at his feet and really like give it your all and pray to him. And there was a lot of that conversation in Mm -hmm. addition to Mm -hmm. like when, and, oh my, you know, I, I feel like his family thinks or at, at the very beginning when we first got married, it was a lot of like, oh, she's just a woman driven in her career. She doesn't want kids. She doesn't Mm -hmm. want that. She's not that type of woman. And it was like, no, I am. But why can't I have both? But a big part of me doesn't even want to, doesn't even have it in me to like disclose like that struggle that we're having. Like it was just so many internal demons that I was battling within myself to try to you know, deal with on my own until like I couldn't and I had to just be open and honest. What were some of those demons? You know, it was just like self-doubt. Like a lot of the stuff, you know, people were just like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I know Chewy, like my husband goes by Chewy, um, Mm -hmm. by his side and Mm -hmm. he's always wanted kids. And if you don't give him kids, like you don't think he's going to get tired and maybe leave. Mm. And that stuff like really stuck with me. And so just the, you know, I would, I would turn conversations like that and then like flip it with self-deprecating thoughts, like kind of laugh it off and just like, oh (laughs) yeah, we'll see. Or I just didn't really know how to approach it back then, you know, and I just kind of swept it under the rug until the rug was so full. Like there was a pile of like all of these thoughts and all of these, you know, demons and all of these like issues that just exploded. Mm, <laughs> and explode? oh my gosh. So we when um when I had the surgery, I had found out a couple of days later that a family member of mine, my cousin, um, 
not married, you know, um, barely started dating the guy. It was like a COVID boyfriend. I hate to say that, but it, <laughs> it was true. And, you know, <laughs> and she said, you know, I know. She didn't know what we were going through yet. She's like, but she's like, I wanted to talk to you and let you know that, you know, I'm pregnant and we're having this baby and he's living with me now. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I said anything on that call. And she's like, Crystal, are you there? Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, I'm here. And, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, you know what? I'm not feeling the greatest, but I have to let you go. And she's like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll catch up later. Feel better. I'm sorry. I I know this is a lot. You post-op. I get it. I'll, I'll talk to you later. And after that moment, I just looked at my husband and I kid you not, Mo, I just started screaming, like gut wrenching, just like, this big whole pity party of emotions. And I said, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, I really can't do this anymore. How is it so natural and so easy for everyone else? And like, mm-hmm. we did everything right. You know, we, we, we dated for years. We got to know each other. We strengthened our faith in the Lord. We are people of Christ. Got like got degrees. We got a house. We got our degrees. <laughs> got like we got yard, great jobs. You know, <laughs> like yeah, why not yeah, us? Get, yeah. You know, and it's like, why not us? What let that was the one moment when I did mm. I was. I was like, God, like, what are you doing? Like, why not me? Like, why me? Why are you putting me through all this? Like, and why are you sending everybody's like announcements this time and like I I, I didn't understand I still don't understand sometimes you know to be honest and there was a lot of jealousy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I am still working through a lot of that um Mm -hmm. and it's just it's it's tough it's tough to hear especially when it's so close to home like Oh, it's just so easy. And oh, it was just an oops baby. And I didn't even know how, like, I was on birth control. And oh, God, Mo, just tough, you know? So it was that point in time where I just said, you know, screw it. I'm just going to be, you know, I'm going to give everybody what they need to hear tenfold. And I, I asked my husband, I said, you know, I really want to share our truth and our mm-hmm. journey. And, mm-hmm stop with all of the pressing questions what do you think if we just publicized it and he was like if that's you know the one thing about my husband is he's totally ride or die mm-hmm. like he is just like if this is what's going to get you to you know a calm place if this is what's going to make you feel better I, I'm all for it so we did that that supper right after my surgery I you know publicized it on Facebook first. I didn't even know this whole TTC community thing existed on Instagram. But I, you know, I I started off just kind of talking about our, our entire struggle. Um, And then it led me to friends who were like, Oh my gosh, I'm going through that too. And it's like, what? (laughs) Like I, you know, and it opened up this whole kind of like chain of events. Like, have you followed so-and-so? And it was like um, the cozy warrior and Anna story. And then mm-hmm. Anna led okay. to other warriors. And mm-hmm. it kind of just like, There's a ripple effect, wow. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. this is a huge pool of women. Really like people, not just women. I'm sorry, people. And I mean, if it wasn't for the community that I found behind, you know, um, Instagram, like, I would be, I don't even know where I'd be right now. Cause I mean, even though at that point where we decided to open up publicly about our journey, there were still a lot of people who didn't understand and weren't versed, right? Like it was just kind of like, wow, that sucks. I'm sorry for you guys. But once I found you guys in the TCC community, that's when it was like, wow, game changer. Cause like People had the same diagnoses, right? Maybe different experiences, but I, I at first I found I hashtagged PCOS, hydrocell sphinks, mm-hmm, and I followed mm-hmm. every single person I yeah, could find yeah. with the same diagnoses. And um, these people ended up being such good friends, like even up until this day, and it's crazy. And I think I remember talking to you a couple months ago, you know, 
And you were just one thing that you said to me just stuck, which was like, find your tribe. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I did in the, the strength and like the, the community and the sisterhood and all that is just unbeatable. I mean, it has been so amazing to find it. Yeah. You know, there's so many, the, the Instagram community is so multifaceted because you have people there who truly want to be there because they want to help. And then you have, you know, people that are there because they just want to be seen, you know what I mean? And, being yeah. able to differentiate the two is going to be really important, I think, moving forward as more people become more open about their stories of infertility yeah. and losses and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's really important for people like you, and you know, that are very genuine about helping others and just being of support in any way that you can, especially to people locally to you in California that you could one day meet. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, um, and, and representing all brown and Asian women and everything is so important so very very important I mean it looks so much different than even a year and a half ago when I started the podcast it's just so many Mm -hmm. more people of color coming out and it's it's like it brings me to tears every time I think about it because it's truly remarkable how much a little bit of effort can go a long way you know and yeah so since you became public a year or so ago on Mm -hmm. Instagram what has been one of the most liberating times or experiences that you've had with connecting to the community Um, so one of the most liberating times was where I felt like for once in my life, like I didn't have to be on all the time, meaning like I didn't have Mm -hmm. to put on this facade that everything was perfect Mm -hmm. and we had this perfect life. And it was just like, I finally got to let my, my hair down and I finally let to, got to let my guard down and I was okay with not being okay. I was okay with crying on camera when I was having crappy days. I was okay with showing the deepest, most vulnerable parts of my life. My post-surgery pictures, like Mm -hmm. just, you know, things that I never even thought I could do on a good day. Like Mm -hmm. I was really just putting out real emotions that had been built up for, for years. Mm -hmm. And at that given moment, when I when I was able to, you know, let my hair down, when I was able to just speak on experience and truth and real feelings, like, I had never felt so whole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I thought about, because there, there's times when Aunt Flo comes to town and girl, like, I'm all emotional and I want right. to, like, give back to everybody right. who's <laughs> lived down <laughs> who's lent out you know a shoulder to cry on or like an ear for me and I'm always trying to think of ways to you know um, enhance like the community even if it's on a smaller scale but um, I always try to give back and and I said you know if I can use my platform to like highlight other people's stories and give them a voice to kind of speak and share. Like, I want to do that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I've connected with so many great, amazing people from all walks of life who mm-hmm. are like wanting to do that. And like, I, I, I got inspired from like women like you, like women, like um, Millie, like just mm-hmm. who were sharing like passing the mic basically, you know, right, and just right. giving people the opportunity to share their truth. And I think that that's the best way to serve or give back is just to listen. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, there'd been countless women where I've been able to call at 10, 11 o'clock my time, mm-hmm. 2 a.m. their time, and just mm-hmm. letting them know, like, how much I love and appreciate them and, like, just sharing, you know, the deep-rooted issues and just having those, like, real-life conversations. And um, the community's been pretty amazing. And like you said, like, I love watching it grow and diversify. Um, it's just incredible. And like women that I never, I never even thought I could make a really good online friend. And like, yeah. IG yeah. really brought yeah. that. Yeah. Because, you know, like we, 
we know we can find love online, but can we, mm-hmm. I'm always like, well, can we really find friendships online, like girlfriends? Because I feel like women go through so much anyway, and it's like, but can I really, though? And, you know, you find out that you can. Like, I've, there's been a couple yeah. of people that I've, I speak to on a daily basis, FaceTime, sending Same. each other stuff in the mail, you know, and yeah. talking and connecting outside of the gram. Like, we barely even interact with each other's content at this point on the ground because we become <laughs> real life friends you know even though we live in different yeah. states so I definitely resonate with that and I think COVID not that I'm looking for a silver lining COVID has really allowed people to start making real connections again because we've had to be forcefully isolated and slow down a little bit and yeah find out who we are to moving forward as a nation and individuals and where we we're what, what we're passionate about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really find absolutely. out what we're passionate about, what we stand for and what we'll fight for. And, um, I, I can tell you this. I remember when you first started doing the lives back at the end of the year, 2020, and you started doing them. I was like, for me, I felt like that was one of your most pivotal moments as an advocate online and not just sharing your story online. And I was like, Oh, there's Crystal. There she goes flying high. You know what I mean? (laughs) If I decide to step aside one day, I can pass the mic to Crystal. I know I I I got her now because (laughs) she's doing it already. You know what I mean? So I think it's uh, truly incredible uh, that you are highlighting the stories of women of color and just women in general through your lives and really trying to help people get connected. Um, Yeah. You know, and just it's, giving your your time, you know, giving your time because you work absolutely. from home, you know. So it's like, yeah, whew, thank God you got a pool, girl. You can just take a dip, put your feet in <laughs> and come out of that yeah. house when work is over, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> I, 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 um, yeah, I just appreciate you for being one of the first Asian women that um, that I've known on the gram to really just use her voice, you know, authentically. It takes yeah. so much long. It takes such a long time to find other people of color on Absolutely. the Instagram community as far as the fertility, trying to conceive and loss community. It takes a lot of time, a lot, a lot of time. And not just people of color, but people of color that are not like influencer status, you know, or don't yeah. have a platform. Like, you know, just people that have platforms on in the spaces of the infertility right. and loss community, you know, and feeling like you can reach out and really talk to them, reach out and touch and get to know them on a deeper level um, other than the surface of our medical conditions. Absolutely. <sighs> it's true. It is true. A lot of the times, you know, when, when I'm asking these questions on my lives, like the women of color, um, it doesn't matter if they're black, brown, yellow, mm-hmm. whatever a lot of the times are saying the same thing. You know, I, I, I didn't have a profile picture of myself on my, you know, IG page because I didn't look like anybody. All the mm-hmm. big accounts all look the same <laughs> and I just didn't feel comfortable or I, I felt like I didn't fit in mm-hmm. even in mm-hmm. this space. So it took me a while. I forgot who said it, but she, she just spoke so much truth on the topic of like, inclusivity you know and she's Mm. like so when I started digging a little deeper I started seeing it like and she had brought you up she had brought Shirelle up she had brought Jasmine Mm. and she was like you know but I really had to dig because everything on my feed yeah were just you know the bigger accounts like the 60 80,000 whatever and she just was like you know and for a while I was just kind of like surfing it like I wasn't really friends with anybody because you know, I would, I would follow a bunch of people and then I would have one person follow me back. Right. And so it, it felt right. right then and there, like I still some, didn't matter. Cheerleading yeah. high school type of thing going on. It does feel like that in the very beginning. It really, really, really yeah. does. And I hate that people of color always have to work two and three times harder. Harder. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, a, I think I felt, I don't know if you felt this way. You tell me if you did. But I felt like after getting diagnosed, I was like, God damn it. I've had to fight my whole freaking life with the color of my skin, the texture of my hair. You know what I mean? And the way that I speak to people, because then they'll just deem me too aggressive, you know. And now I have to fight to have a freaking baby. You know what I mean? And then I have to fight to find a community online 
even though and then you know you go on pages and you're like well i won't even follow her most looks like most of her followers are caucasian too and most of the mm-hmm. people she follows is caucasian i you know trying to feel feel like you're safe and uh, yeah on a person's page you know what i yeah. mean yeah like, whoo that's a real thing out here you guys it's real it is it real. is real it is so real and you know coming from la like los angeles is a huge melting pot yes, right like New York. and so yep. Yeah, I mean, all my friends, I have friends of every race, like I have Indian friends, I have Caucasian exactly. friends, I have Mexican friends, I, you know, you name it, black friends, every race. And coming into something where you're trying to find support, and <laughs> the only support I found at the beginning was kind of like, you have to pay to get in, like this is a right. cool like You got to show club. yourself approved. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I never understood that because, like, we're all in it for one thing, which is conceiving our miracle babies. But I, I, I was looking for something deeper, yeah. like a deeper connection of support, right. like real support. Right. Where you know, I, I don't know. It, it's no, just you know what it is. It, it, it's the it's because you know we have medical conditions, right? And so yeah. because we are so empathetic and we are empaths, you and I and other and mm-hmm. our other friends listening and stuff like that. And so we are not looking for surface level con- connections. We're looking for deep connection. Right. Even if it's Absolutely. just online, even if we never meet these people in person. Right. But we're looking for deeper connection. And I think because you are a religious woman and you're a spiritual woman, you're always looking for deeper connection and meaning. Right. And so yeah. when you come into these online spaces and you're looking for it to be reciprocated, reciprocated back to you and mm-hmm. you're coming in with the open heart and you are looking for community you quickly realize that oh this is just like everyday life I'm gonna huh. have to fight for this too I love that like I never really saw that in that perspective until you just said that but yeah that makes absolute sense because you're right I, I'm huge like I and one thing I need to work on is not everybody is going to reciprocate like I do. Girl, like not every. And I expect that most sometimes I'm like, and it's not one of those, like I did this for you, but like, it, it's just one of those, like, isn't this common sense to be this empathetic Listen, or no. <laughs> it ain't. It ain't. I I into it ain't mm. and then the mm. thing about it was like I was just like you know what I have to remember that although we we share these medical conditions and because see I think in my mind I was thinking well maybe people will be nicer because we do have these medical conditions and maybe their eyes are in there and their hearts are different than what they previously were outside of the online community and so in my mind I'm thinking okay well maybe um maybe they won't be racist or prejudiced mm-hmm. or any of those things. And maybe, um, and I just, it's just a light bulb went off. Like, look girl, at the end of the day, people are still going to be racist and prejudiced. Yeah. And you find out quickly <laughs> that who they the are infertility community. You still have to remember mm-hmm. that these people are who they are with or yeah. without infertility. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And it was a and that, long time before I started following people again. Because I didn't you can't you don't know. You know? Yeah. You don't know until yeah. you know. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't know. That's that's it's just a lot. It's, it's a, a lot. lot. But I tell you what, when you get that tribe, that's it. Then um the yeah. universe just opens everything up and people start finding you and you finding them and then that's it. You know, real connections. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Woo, Crystal girl. I got my fingers <laughs> crossed for you. Thank you, Mo. And by yeah. the time this episode comes out, and this will be April 2nd that this comes Ooh. out. So okay. leading up to National Infertility Awareness Week. And um, so you will have already been in the midst of your first IVF cycle but you know we'll be talking in between there and now so um, if there is anything that you could say to infertility if you were standing face to face what would that be 
Oh, let me think of this one real quick. If I could say something to infertility right in its face right now. Am I allowed to cuss? Yeah, explicit content, girl. Uh, Yeah, no, I would just give it a big fuck you. (laughs) And I second that. I second that notion. Yeah. All the way. You know, that's just it. I I wish it upon nobody, not even my worst enemy. And, um, but you know, on on a serious note, I think that the one thing infertility has left me with is um, space to grow, like continue to grow. I, I've dabbled into parts of my life that I've never really seen full circle until mm-hmm. faced with this type of like impossible, mm-hmm. right? Like, but um, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to go as far as saying that this was a gift by any means, but I'm, I'm going to say that I've learned a lot through my journey about myself and the strength that I have from within and my will to keep, going mm-hmm. so, yeah well thank you again girl of course thank you planet. so much mo thank you for having me thank you for doing this you're such a light in this community and much i'm really kind. thankful to know you much too kind dear i promise you guys i'm not this nice in real life <laughs> <laughs> no, i don't believe I am, it i am i am i am but i have my days just like everybody else you know what i mean but Oh, yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in to Infertility and Me. Peace and blessings. If you enjoyed today's episode, friend, take a screenshot and let me know on Instagram and tag Infertility and Me Podcast. You can also reach me at infertilityandmepodcast.com with your questions, comments, and feedback. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.